you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? The Move the Sticks podcast. It's your boy, Bucky Brooks, joined by Lance Airline, my man, LZ. What's going on, H-Town Spiners? What's up, Buck? How you doing? How how you uh, making out after the draft? Is it... Uh What's your schedule? I apologize for not knowing your schedule. I mean, you know, I go back to I go back to morning radio full time, which I'm doing the entire week of the draft anyway. So um, like, what does it look like for you? I'm kind of I get to chill out out there, write that compensatory pick article. Like, I know you do radio. You do a little of this. You do. They have you doing a lot of a man who wears many hats, even though I don't hardly ever see you with a hat in public ever anytime. But no, it's it's um. Lance, let's slow down a little bit, like the daily schedule, because, you know, because you were coming on path. We're doing path and then sometimes mm-hmm. we were mood of sticks and mock draft live and all this stuff. So we had three shows, shows kind of popping at once. Well, now we just have the pod. I'm doing total access a couple times a week, but really, man, trying to kick back what I am challenging myself to do this year. Uh, unlike last year, I'm gonna try and jump on these dudes a little earlier. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna see if I can put a mid years resolution. Hey man, we're gonna get on this 2023 <laughs> class a little yeah. sooner than I did the 2022 class, so I can kind of get into those beefs and wage those wars on Twitter about who's who and what's what. I feel like I get left out sometimes when I see everybody else weighing in on a CJ Stroud versus Bryce Young. Yada, yada, yada. I think I'm going to jump in that debate a little early. Well, if you want to, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you choose to jump in on that debate on social media, I, I don't I mean, that's not that's not the smoke I'm actually actively coveting. But because, you know, what's crazy. We get called out for stuff. Dudes who have not even like spent any time, hardly at all, putting in the work that needs to be put on. That's the thing that's crazy to me. I love that everyone has an opinion, and I think everyone mm-hmm. should have an opinion. And sometimes someone else's opinion about a player is going to be right, and I'm going to be wrong. And I'm cool with that. I don't I don't mind missing on a player. Yeah. I write up almost 500 a year. I'm going to have lots that's of misses. To write that, up. It, yeah, I don't sweat it. I mean, you know, I've got to put my name on all of them. They're all out there. They're all a bunch of receipts. 
on what I think of guys. And sometimes they, they pan out, sometimes they don't. But um, what I don't like, though, is people not showing the, the proper level of respect when they're engaging you and acting like, like you didn't put the work, like you, when you know you've put more work in on this or you know you understand the way the league works, for, for example, in your case, with how it works in the building and how the mm-hmm. discussions go in terms of traits or character or position, you know, uh, variants and position priorities, things like that. When people refuse to even, I think, pick your brain or even even have a debate about that or even ask a question like, to make themselves more knowledgeable for, for the debate. It's kind of crazy to me because a lot of fans are very, or and readers and, and tweeters are very respectful and they will engage you back and forth. And they do try to pick up things from you uh, to that, that, that they may not have known and that you could give them some information. And then you have other people who are just, you know, straight trolls. Yeah. I mean, that that's part of it, but I'm well, now I'm going to say this and this isn't like you prompting me to say it like, Hey, what I think you do, it's harder than what most people do. Like to sit and have to come up with reports and information and documentation on 500 prospects like that is uncommon because even as an area scout in my day, like that's, that's a different level of work mm-hmm. to know the entire draft and to know every, something about everybody. Um, the last man pick the undrafted free agent who doesn't get picked, but signs that's, that's a lot. And to, I see your bullet point reports and the background info and all of that. That's a hard job. And Lance, I think here's the thing. And I think, look, it's our own fault because um, we have created this draft cottage business where everyone is in the mock drafting and speculating and those things. And a lot of that is people want to base your evaluations on how and when a guy gets picked. Mm hmm. Oh, you said he was a first round and he gets picked in the second round. You it's said this what guy it was a second or third round and he goes in the first round. Yeah, but guess what? You know what hasn't happened since the draft? They, they haven't played. played. <laughs> so I don't know what they're doing and I don't know what the other team thought. And so our hats and our responsibilities have to change. It's one thing to speculate about when they're going to get picked and who they're going to. Now it's another thing to say, okay, well now Kayvon Thibodeau is with the Giants. What do you think? Oh, I like it. Mm-hmm. here's why I like it or here's why I don't like it. That's a different conversation than, Hey man, I'm just trying to speculate on where this player could be um, when he is available, what his value is, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's a harder hustle. It's a lot of different layers. Like you talk about the first one is that when I write, so, and I know, and you do it on TV, I do it more on the digital side, but then I do TV later on, you know, mm-hmm. Same thing. Um, we have, so when I'm writing up these scouting reports, it was funny because I used to have coaches from the Cardinals when my dad was with Arizona. I don't, I don't think he knew that I knew my my evaluation stuff at that time like I did because I got into it like really tight, really close. Uh, Chris Ballard was a mentor for me. He was yeah. listening to my radio show. And so he taught me some of the philosophical stuff about, you know, how to prioritize positions, some of the things that go into the background and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And that you you don't know unless you know. Somebody has to teach you that. You knew because mm-hmm. you're in buildings and you learn more about, oh, okay, this is this trait, this trait. Oh, this character. Oh, this is immaturity versus a kid being a turd, like they'll call them in a building. But, yeah. but sometimes it's just immaturity and you grow out of it. And, uh, and sometimes a guy has edge and then you learn what edge is where, I mean, you got to have the right locker room for this guy. Yeah. But if you do, and that's why to your point about not just Thibodeau, I'm not point, I'm not picking at Thibodeau, but you brought up Thibodeau. There's certain locker rooms in certain cities and certain franchises that are good for a, a, a player yeah. and then maybe bad for a player. So, um, but I knew that putting my name on these prospects, I found out within the first year or two when I started having some some Cardinals coaches at that time with Bruce mm-hmm. Arian staff, you know, they didn't they would reach out to me about players and and they, and, and it's not like they're they just wanted to see, well, this is what I think of the guy. What do you think mm-hmm. of the guy? You know, it's it's like where you want to ask someone else. You want to just you want to double check your own work. Yeah. And I think I was a safe you know, neutral party that they could go to and, and say, this is what I think about the guy. How do you see him? Oh, I don't see him that way. I disagree. Kevin Ross, uh, coach in the league right now. I had great conversations with, with rock about DBs. Um, I haven't talked to him for a couple of years, but it was always great getting a coach's perspective, but it also alerted me to the fact that 
not only was I not taking shortcuts then, I could never take a shortcut because my name is on 500 players. Yeah. And I know that people around the league, that people who do blogs, people who do, you know, um, I know people are agents. They're all looking at it and and people will people know if you're if you're shortcutting certain things. So, yeah, I can't. My receipts are on all my work. I may not. I may not hit a guy, but it's not because I shortcutted him. I, I I may have missed an evaluation, but you do have to 500 players. I don't think people understand the amount of time I work seven days a week for four months. Um, you know, and that's just November, December, January, February, all the way through the combine. I've got to have 337 players written up. Uh, it's actually close to about mm-hmm. 370 by the, um, by the end of February. But you know, you're on TV. People see you all the time. I've been in NFL buildings before where, NFL networks on oh, and they're on. watching. They see. Oh, and they hear and they so, hear you. Yep. And so and so what happens, Lance, and you know this because it's the delicate balance between what you do on radio versus what you do on TV. Totally different, believe it or see, not. Because on radio, on radio, we give it to you real. We give it to you with a little little edge. We're trying to listen. There's no response. three minutes. There's yeah, no three like, minutes. I got, oh, a, got I got a long time to I talk long about. Time. So we're gonna we're gonna lay into this and when I go, I'm going to go big on my opinion on radio because particularly if you take callers, oh, you're trying to engage in some of that discussion. And so if someone wants to smoke, hey, hey better bring you wood because I got smoke back. And so it's, it's that, that stuff. But then on TV, and you're right, when what you say is being broadcast and communicated in meeting rooms around the league, you have to make sure that what you say is what you mean. because there have been times I've walked off the set and the hotline is ringing. Hey, man, what'd you just say about? <laughs> and so sometimes you tell guys like, hey, I got to go real big on TV because it's an opinion. Like part of that is entertainment. But then yeah. I've learned it's not only that, but you were you were in the building when Kayvon Thibodeau came through. Oh, yeah. And like, hey, man, let me holler at you for a minute. But. And so that's the thing, and that's the thing. Where'd you about, go to school? Where'd you go to what, – what degree did you get your mock draft degree in? Did you get a mock draft degree? I was like, oh, boy. Because yeah. oh, I already know how you are. You don't even – not only do you not mind the smoke, you actively court the smoke. So I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be a crazy yeah. afternoon with Kayvon. No, but like, so, but, like, the funny thing about that, and here's for everyone who, who does this or who aspires to do it is when you put your name on it, you better own what you say, because eventually, if you have to see those guys, you want to be able to tell them, well, here's why I think this. Here's why I wasn't in love with what I saw on tape. I wasn't about the effort, the energy, this, the that. People have told me this. Now, you give them an opportunity to respond. And a lot of times, like we came on, I got perspective like, oh, OK, maybe you didn't know that that's what the expectation is or that what the standard is. or This is how you're supposed to go about your business. But I think. You know, the thing about being a scout and being in the business is you're paid to have an opinion. And in the building, people say, I want you to have a strong opinion. The guys who really make it in the league are those who have strong opinions, who are able to support it. Even in that, you're not going to be 100 percent right. And it's that fine line between when you're in a meeting room and we're having this back and forth on a player. Okay, when do I need to back down? Okay, I got that. And when do I need to acknowledge that? I mean, maybe I had a bad day. Maybe I saw him wrong. You know, those things have to happen because I think most people can appreciate when you have the evaluation and you look back and you say, "Ooh, I missed on that kid. Mm-hmm. I was off, you know, and you go back. And I think it's an ever evolving process. And I think, Lance, we, we've talked about this, how we see a guy in the, in the pre-draft phase. Our opinion can change on the player after we watch him play in the league two or three years and we can acknowledge like, Hey man, this is a good player. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just said something that I don't know. Hopefully people can recognize this or, or people who have tried to do this by watching tape, watching games, you know, try to be an an amateur evaluator can recognize this or maybe just watching football. and, and, And this is something you recognize. Bucky said something important. Maybe I just saw him wrong that day. Maybe I was having a bad day. I'm a firm believer. So I try to wait until I get as much tape. This is why I don't get my start until November because I want as much tape as I can get so I can really get through a player's, you know, um, best opponents. And because what I don't like and what can happen is we get confirmation bias, right? So 
Yeah. We, we see it with a, we see a guy with a positive filter. We see some plays we like, and all of a sudden that's all we're looking for is the good stuff. Or you see something that you don't like, and then you just have a negative filter the entire day. And sometimes it is just a day. Like you just have a bad day where you just, there was a couple plays that turned you off to a player. And then your entire lens is kind of a cloudy negative lens and you're not seeing what a player can do. You just are seeing the areas that you, you already saw and you're looking for confirmation bias. So that can happen too. That's why I think some teams miss or hit. I w- I've gone back and, you know, I've had some where I had it exactly right. And there were some teams that had it way, way wrong. And I think how can, man, was I way off? I had this guy as like undraftable and this team drafted him in the fourth round. Am I that wrong? And then, you know, if I'm proven right on that two or three years later and the guy's cut, you know, you look at it and you say, with experience, you say, they may have just, it just may have been a freight train opinion where one or two guys got an opinion on a guy based on a couple plays and it turns into a freight train opinion in the the media, you know, in the, the meeting rooms and no one stands up to it. And, you know, that thing can happen on social media too, where a narrative develops on social media about a player and everyone, uh, the fan base is just believe that one player is one kind of way. Cause I'm sure you've looked at a player and said, wow, why is everyone acting like this guy is either a, a great player or not a good player? How in the, why, how are they seeing that? And sometimes it's just a narrative develops and that's what happens, but it's not, it's not the truth. Yeah. No, it's, it, it, it's one of those things. And Lance, like, Here's the thing. You talk about confirmation bias. Uh, I think it's really important that when you go through the process of evaluating guys, and for you, I would say it's probably even harder to do because you have a volume. Like your your list is so big that it's hard to go through and say, hey, man, I'm going to do a couple quick looks at um, yeah. five. I got to get to a number. That's got to get to a number. That, where, that makes it harder, yeah. So, so for me, the way that I do it, and this is full transparency and honesty when it comes to like, what I do now, which is TV scouting, my job is to really know the top 125 to 150, right? Because if you think about TV, mm-hmm. uh, we think about we have to get through the first three rounds. Day one, day two, those are the first three rounds that we're talking about. So my job is to know the top 150, like the back of my hand. Because if I know the top 150, I'm going to be fine on that day. Like I'm going to be fine to be able to handle it and talk about it, give a real insightful opinion uh, on the players that we're talking about on the screen. Now that said, there's a personal thing for me where I really want to know everything about those guys. And so if I want to know everything about them, if I really want to be able to not only talk about how I view them as players, but what teams would be great matchups, I need to figure out how to go about looking at the tape the right way. Now, when I was an area scout, the way that you did is you always work. um, You work from the end of the season backwards, meaning that uh, if I go to a school at the end of November, I'm going to watch the three most recent games and I would make my grade off of that. But part of the reasons why you watch the three most recent games is because in your area, you may make two, maybe three trips into a school. So if I go in in training camp, I'm looking at the last three games from the previous year. I go in the middle of the season, I'm watching the three games. that might be the middle of the season to the early part of the season. If I go in at the end of the year, it's the games leading into either the season finale and those things. And I make my reports, three separate reports off of that, or you add into it or whatever. And then when it comes to the grade, the grade, when we talk about grades, I think sometimes people mess this up because people think you're you, – you're grading for like the here and now. But what I want people to understand is the grade that you assign on a player approximates to how you believe the player's career is going to play out. And that approximates to a different round value, meaning so as a first round player, my expectation is this guy is going to be uh, an immediate starter or look shortly thereafter he gets into the league, he should be a starting player. He should be a key contributor. He should be a guy who, uh, particularly in the top 10, we're talking about a guy that has the ability to be a top five player in his position within the first two to three years. And everything works down from that second round grade is because this is a guy that I can see as a, an eventual starter, like maybe starts year one, but by year two, he should be a starter right away. He should be immediate contributor, yada, yada, yada. Third round, look, key contributor, eventual starter down the line, 
has some developmental stuff that he has to work out and whatever. And then fourth through seventh round, these are guys that we view as developmental prospects. Their best football is down the road. They have one or two key traits that we love. We're banking on those traits that will lead to success. To me, that's how the grading thing goes. And so that's why sometimes it's hard when we get into this mock draft world. Mock drafting is completely different different than scouting. Mock Mm -hmm. drafting, you're kind of playing the numbers. It's more of an entertainment exercise than a a real scouting thing, which is why now in radio, when Lance Z gets called to come on a radio show, the first thing they say is, hey, man, your mock draft, you have such and such sliding. And I don't even care about the mock draft. Right. Not not really. (laughs) And right. So then you have to give the disclaimer. Yep. Hold up now. Mock drafts are one thing. Big boards are another. So if you want my right. opinion, I'll give you my opinion on the player. If you want like what I'm hearing and all this other stuff and connecting the dots, that is another thing. Two different and things. Think, and I think that's where it gets blended and convoluted because a mock draft is not a true scouting report and assessment. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's why I think it's important that um, DJ, we had a scouting, we had a, a grading scale for NFL.com when I took over. It was mm-hmm. when Nolan Rocky was using, and maybe it was used before him too. So, and, you know, I used it and um, for the first uh, four years, three or four years, and so I've done eight drafts now with NFL.com written hey, up. Time against, I know, time I know. 4,000 scouting reports. So um, DJ introduced what um, was a league scouting, a, a league grading scale. So the league grading scale he used was either from Baltimore or Cleveland. I think it was the same one. Mm-hmm. I know the Buffalo Bills used the same one. It's a, it's a, a 59 is a backup player, right? A, a 61 is like a, a third or fourth round pick who is a good low end starter, but more like a high end backup, you know, who could step and be a starter. And they're typically fourth round picks. And then a 63 would be like a second rounder who could start within a couple of years. So, and then you go all the way up to seven Oh, right. A seven Oh player is a, a pro bowl caliber player. And so there's a 67. Now, I took DJ's scouting, you know, grading scale and I eliminated some of the very specific things because mm-hmm. teams have very specific. Okay, this yeah. is a player who's missing this trait but is a starter and he's, you know, and mm-hmm. I can't do that for 32 it's a grading scale for 32 teams basically is what I'm doing. So, I took out some of the numbers, but what it does is it really helped me Bucky put things in perspective and I was hoping it would do the same thing um like if I had it my way, I would I would spell out the grading scale a little bit more. I know the editors can't really do that on the on the NFL.com, but it really does help you get a better feel for um for where a player fits in. Now, on the on the the scouting report, I will also put at at the very end, like the last couple of weeks or last three weeks, I'll put round projection. This is what I'm hearing from teams. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily where I would draft a guy or whatever, but if I say I may have a, a fifth round grade on a guy, but I'm hearing he may go second, third. So I'm putting second, third, like uh, Tariq Woolen. I thought he was going second, third because a couple teams told me that kind of height and that kind of speed, mm-hmm. the cornerback from UTSA, um, six foot four and runs in a four twos. They said, look, I know he's not a real aggressive player and he's got this, that, and mm-hmm. the other. I know the tape looks like a fifth rounder, but. Man, those guys typically get drafted in the top 100, so you better you better slot them up there. So I slotted them up there, but my grade stayed the same. And what happened was he got drafted like the tape showed. I mean, sometimes people will follow the tape, and sometimes they'll overdraft guys based yeah. on traits. But I think that, like, how many different grading scales did you have with the different teams you had? So I was, I was fairly lucky. Like, most of the grading scales remained the same. It was pretty standard um, when I went – to Seattle. That was my first job. And it's probably the most impactful in terms of like Schneider like, was there. Yeah. John Snyder okay. uh, brought me on John Snyder, Scott McLuhan, Scott Fitterer was in the room. Wow. Uh, Eric Stokes, who's now high up with the Washington commanders. I always want to call them the Commodores, but the commanders, uh, he was there. I'm trying to figure is anybody else. Ted Thompson was the VP. Mike Holmgren was the coach. That was in Green Bay. Yeah. No, that, said- that, no, it was in Seattle. Thompson was in, he was in Seattle. Yeah, he was in Seattle. He was in oh, Seattle. Wow. It was right before he went to Green Bay. So we were oh, all, okay. so we were all together. And so the, 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 the carryover went from Seattle, Green Bay, then Scott McLaurin went to San Francisco so that it was all there. And so we always operated under the same process. When you're an area scout, you stayed in your area and didn't cross check. So by definition, when people uh, hear cross check, cross check means that I'm a scout in the West. I leave my area for a couple of weeks and maybe go scout guys in the Midwest so that we can have a different viewpoint. Lance and I would exchange areas. So now you get a couple of different eyes, a couple of different opinions on the prospects and you come back. Well, to avoid that in Seattle, what we did is you stayed in your area, you would make it two or three trips. Then in January, you would come up for about three weeks and we would watch every player that we had given a draftable grade. We would watch them as a group. 
And so, Lance, we would always start with the offensive line. We start with the offensive tackles. You would walk in the room. On the board, all the magnets would be in alphabetical order. So we would see Joe Anderson, offensive tackle. We would sit down. We would pop in the tape. We would watch three games on the player, turn on the lights, have a discussion, then talk about where to place them on the board. So that's how I learned. So I learned that tape was everything. Yeah. And you were protected in doing it that way because we all have strengths and weaknesses when it comes to scouting, right? So let's say that my weak spot is looking at offensive linemen, which it was for a long time because I just didn't know what exactly I was looking at. And so I had to talk to O-line coaches, had to talk to different people to what to look for. Well, if I'm not a great offensive line coach or offensive line evaluator, but there are other people in the room who are, my job is to give them a grade. So now as a group, we can see him. So it didn't put all that pressure on me. So they weren't putting you under the microscope, nah. even if they were in your in your area? Even if they were in my area. And okay. what I thought was great is your grades were never revealed to the group. Oh, wow. Is that yeah, different so, than, than it usually? Yeah, it's, that's it's different, different than usual, I've worked, right? I worked at other places where they would reveal your grade. Now, the reason why I would say I like that your grade isn't revealed is because, like we talked about, Maybe I had a good day, a bad day, or whatever. Well, now we just want to get it right at the end of the day. Because at the end of the day, he's the team's pick. So I just want to make sure I do my best for the team. And so we would have discussions. And when you watch tape over in front of everybody, maybe there's something that you didn't see, good or bad. I mean, I didn't notice that. Because it's a live dialogue, Lance. You and I talking, watching tape. Like, hey, man, this guy really moves. He pops. He's this. He's that. Like, man, I, I don't know. You're looking at your report like, God, man, did I miss? Yeah, I, yeah. I missed this. Or maybe it's a later set of games where maybe he was hurt when you went through there. Maybe he wasn't playing as well. So yeah. all of those other things. And so to me, I think it made me a better scout because I got a chance to not only see my area, but I got a chance to see other areas. Because, hey, a first rounder that I may have given in the Mountain West was different than a first rounder playing in the SEC. And so then you see the SEC first round, and you're like, oh, yeah, my guy's not that. Let me, <laughs> let me take that yeah. down a little bit so I can kind of have a scale. And so now I think it helps me because when I think about it all, I tried to take those guys that I watched back then, the guys that are playing in the league, the guys that somehow had success in the league that came from the lower ranks. It gives you a perspective like, hey, no, no, no. I may not like him, but remember, this kid over here from Abilene Christian, He's played 10 years in the league somehow. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to throw him away. So I think it just makes you a better overall grader by kind of having an open lens and figuring out a way to evaluate guys for the league, even though you may not like him personally. That's so much great information in there to, to, to take in. I hope people appreciate it. You know, um, I think another thing that we really have to, you know, what I do is I sit and I sit in a room and I watch tape on my little Xbox controller. The NFL vision system is great that they developed. Nick, Nick mm -hmm. uh, Stamatakis in New York developed it. And that's how I watch my tape. You know what's crazy to me, Bucky, is because that's how I've spent all my time watching. It's actually harder for me to go in person. And, mm -hmm. in, and part of that is my ADD uh, personality for me to stay focused on what I need to. My eyes get going all over the place. So when I go to the Senior Bowl, I really have to train myself for East-West Shrine game. Um, or even when I would go scouting, the first couple of years, they let me go on the road to to go watch games. Like I saw Deshaun Watson play Clemson, for example. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, I, they played Florida State. I went to that uh, Clemson-Florida State game, and uh, he got baited into two interceptions. And frankly, I put too much stock in, in him making mistakes there um, on those interceptions because I didn't put enough stock in the plays that he's making. I, I And so you learn, you know, every year you do this, you learn – a little something and you and you change and maybe alter the way that you do things. But I think something that, that I have to say is I don't go into the buildings like a scout would. So I don't know how a guy works. I'm not talking to strength coaches. I mean, I, I do. I try to reach out to those now, but sometimes you get responses. Sometimes you don't. Guys who are doing it for the league, the thing that that the advantage they have is they know which one of those guys are workers. They know the guys that are frauds. They know the guys that had a personal issue or a family issue or an injury they tried to play through. So they get proper context 
um, that that is hard for someone like me who's just uh, or really anyone who's just from the outside looking in. You can evaluate tape all you want. But unless you have proper context uh, of of why certain things are happening or mm-hmm. what kind of person, uh, a, you know, a competitor someone is in practice, in the weight room, whatever the case may be, are they willing to play with pain? You guys who are going into the building and the scouts right now who go into the building, they get that information and teams have that information. And that's why sometimes you wonder, well, why would this team pass on that guy? Well, they may know something about that guy that they don't like and they don't think yeah. fits their locker room. Or they don't think he has the competitive spirit, or they don't think he's a worker, you know, in the, in the off season or the weight room, or they don't think he's a self starter. Similarly, you may say, why in the world would that team draft that guy who doesn't have the production or whatever? Well, maybe they firmly believe, based on their discussions, that this guy's going to be someone else. Daniil Hunter is the perfect example. I talked to Thomas McGahey, T Mac, mm, T Mac, T Mac, special teams coach with the New York Giants right now. T Mac had been at. LSU is a special teams coach and I'm going over some LSU guys with him. He was gone. He was either in New York or Carolina at this time, but I wanted some insight on some, some guys I was writing up from LSU. He goes, and I said, what about Hunter? He goes, let me tell you something, Lance. He said, that's a cult. He's going to become a stallion. He said on special teams, he was just special. His speed, his aggressiveness, his athletic ability. He said, Don't worry about who he is right now as a pass rusher because he is going to be special. And he was right. And, you know, I bumped him up because of the, you know, because of that uh, background knowledge. But that's that's something, too, that a lot of scouts will get that information. And we'll we'll talk to a coach on a team who will give you the heads up that, hey, something special is coming with this guy. You know what else is great about like that part that scouts get? Um, It's not only being able to talk to coaches, but it's being able to talk to other players. Um, and look, everyone knows my relationship with like Nike and Elite 11 going on these, seeing these high school guys and stuff like that. So years ago, I remember going to LSU uh, and I'm going to LSU and I forgot the corner that we were looking at. But Jamal Adams was a young guy. He might have been a freshman. And Jamal Adams was and it Tredavious? Known, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't Tredavious. It wasn't Tredavious. Okay. It, it was a young guy. I think he might have ended up being drafted by the Atlanta Falcons, maybe in the second round or whatever. Collins, uh, Jalen Collins, I think his name was Jane, something like that. Yeah, I remember. I remember the guy. It was 2006, I I believe. Yeah, and 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 I just remember, I just remember talking to Jamal, and Jamal and I had a relationship because at the opening or whatever, he was on my team, and I so I just remember talking to him, being like, "Could he rock with us, Jamal? Could he rock with us? If this was the huddle, could he get in the huddle with us?" And he would give me the answer and stuff like that. And so for me. That is the perspective that I'm always looking for. I want to talk to players and I want to talk to guys about their teammates. And you tell me, hey, man, what is this guy like in the huddle? Because we always talk about, man, game recognizes game when it comes to that. The relationships that you build as a scout have to extend beyond the coaches that you're talking to. It has to go to the players because my job is to know everybody on that roster eventually. So what you want to do is befriend some of those young guys early. What up, freshman? What's up, Phenom? Because you yeah. know you know who they are. You start talking to them. And Lance, as you develop that relationship, they let you know who the real guys are. They let you know who the real leader is. Everyone that went into Georgia, everybody talked about N'Kobe Dean and the leadership. Hey, man, say what you want to. He's a smaller guy, this and that. But he is the point on the sword. He is the unquestioned leader on the squad. That's big. And what, and what you do is you take that back things like hey i i hear y'all saying all this about he's too small or whatever but when i walk in the building yeah everybody in the building said he's the guy take that for what it is and i think that kind of insight enables you to go hard and strong on guys when it comes to your opinion that's why this is such a that's why this is such a, a nuanced discussion about evaluation because you know um there's so much that goes into it there's the medical components there's the psychological components. Mm-hmm. I had a great conversation with a, a guy for a team who handles the psychological stuff. And we talked about, I said, you know, his whole point, I said, I bet you love military guys. I bet you love people who come from military families. And especially if both the mom and dad came from a military family, if you have a, a two parent household. And he said, believe it or not, that's not always great. 
He said a lot of times they've had discipline imposed on them and they live inside the structure, but they didn't self-develop their own structure. Mm-hmm. And so some of those guys that you think would be the most disciplined structure, yeah, some of them are, but some of them, they've just, they can't wait to get out from under all that discipline that's been imposed on them. And he said, similarly, um, you know, you, you have some guys who come from really rough backgrounds, you know, really bad. You may have uh, a family member who's in jail. You may have a brother who is in a gang or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. Um, he said, and there's a lot of people who look at that at negative as a negative, but when you really do your homework, what you find is that a lot of these guys have learned to not only coping mechanisms, but they've learned to overcome adversity, very difficult personal adversities. Mm-hmm. And it actually benefits them because they haven't had all the obstacles. Like now we talk about Bucky, you and I are both dads and we see a generation of kids who are really frankly a generation of parents who are trying to remove as many obstacles mm-hmm. as possible. Right. We want to make sure that you don't have, we want to make it as easy yeah. as possible. We don't want you to have to, to struggle and have adversity. That's a mistake because it, it, it's learning that adversity. Most teams would rather have a player who's been through adversity and overcome adversity because when the bullets are flying in the fourth quarter and it's tough and, or you've lost three in a row and you got to write the ship, you want guys in the building who have been through adversity, who understand what it looks like to overcome the guys who have never been through adversity. It's much easier. And this is in life. This is in life in general, mm-hmm. not just football, but it's much easier when you haven't been through any adversity to just crater because you don't know how to do it. So it's funny how teams look at players versus how you might expect them to, uh, because they don't, they're not as, they don't have the same predisposition sometimes that, that maybe the general public has. And sometimes the public projects what they think a team will do. And all these teams don't do this. These teams deal with the wide variety of, of players who come from a wide variety of backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think the best teams don't hold the backgrounds against the players. They want to know who the person is and who the person will become, not only psychologically, but physically, coachability, toughness, competitive spirit. So much goes into it, man. Yeah, there, there, there's so much to go into it. But you brought up some, some, some great points because you talked about background, perspective, uh, understanding where they're coming from, who might be coming with them to a new team. Yeah. Family dynamics, the pressure, and those things. How and much so, did you have to learn that, Buck? Because you had to be a PI, right? You're a private investigator yeah, when you're gotta, a scout, gotta, in a way, dig, right? Yeah, you got to dig down deep. Like, and people don't understand this. When I talk to uh, talk to young prospects, hey man, you better understand that everything that you do from high school on, I'm on it. I am on it. I'm gonna call you high school coach. I may come through there, depending on the level of transgression that you might have as a adolescent. I may have to go through there and talk to your guidance counselor, your coach, people around the building and all that. Um, We're trying to get a full breakdown on who you are as a player. And one of my favorite things, like I tell the story all the time, but if I'm going to your town to see you at, let's just say you're at University of Wyoming. Well, I'm going to go to Laramie. I'm not only going to go to your school, but I'm going to go to a little local spot, the restaurant, little pub. I'm going to kind of pop in there and kind of see like, hey, man, you know, player X, Y, and Z. And you know, Lance, unfortunately for the streets, some of these guys, the streets will talk. Streets, streets, streets talk. The streets will give you nice information <laughs> depending upon how you interacted with, with certain folks. And so um, you want all of that information. And you talked about adversity and people coming from tough circumstances and stuff. Uh, sometimes I feel like, you know, on our side, on the media side, when it comes to these players, Like there's always a lot of conversation about character and character issues and concerns and those things. And ultimately, every team will like A plus characters, guys that are perceived to be choir boys and those things. But what happens is as you're around the league and as you're with teams, man, guys come through some bad stuff. I can't tell you the stories that I've heard about the backgrounds that people come from, what they've had to endure, people who have seen and been exposed to stuff that they never really should be exposed to at young ages, but they made it through on the other side. Mm -hmm. And so you have that part of it. And so there's a respect for people that have gone through those things. I think the people that sometimes get smeared and smudged in this are the guys who do come from what I would call real solid background situations, highly educated, found a way to like Mm -hmm. where they're articulate and well-spoken in those things. Sometimes they don't fit the stereotypical box in terms of how we expect players to be. 
And this is why I believe in meeting rooms and scouting rooms. That's why you want diverse perspectives. And when people think about diversity, they're going to actually think that I'm talking about racial diversity or whatever. And I'm not talking about that. Mm -hmm. Like you and I can click and we get down because we have backgrounds that lead us to a common place. We've experienced stuff. You want people from different backgrounds in the room so that someone may get that story that the guy is telling the scout. Lance, based on your experiences coming up, son of a coach, where you grew up, it may resonate with you where in the meeting room, you may be like, hold on, guys, look, here's what you got to understand. When a kid comes from H-Town and he's been involved in this, this is the dynamic that you need to know. So, no, it may be it looks like it's this way. But what I'm telling you is just because he comes from those wars, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's a bad kid. Man, I'm telling you, you you, you make a point. So I'll, I'll just put it out there publicly right now. Here's what I heard. What I heard from a from a scout and I and I'm really so when mm-hmm. I so I will lean on things that happen in buildings and opinions about what's going on in buildings because I don't have access to it. I'll make phone calls, whatever. And here's a mistake I made on Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. Now, from the football standpoint, evaluation, at first I gave him a 67, then I backed him down to a 64. 67 is like a, a, a it's, it's going to be like a top 10 to top 12 grade. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, sometimes top eight, top like this year, that would have been like a top five grade. And um, because of the flashes, but then I'm like, man, let me back him down a little bit. And so I didn't grade the flashes. I, I graded the tape, which included three, his last three games where he didn't really throw the ball that well. But what really got in my head and I let it, I let it affect me too much was I had someone who really believed that because he was um, um, a Eugene, Oregon kid, yeah. right? Eugene, Oregon high school, Eugene, he never went and played in the yeah, elite, none of the seven, set, seven none of that stuff. So yeah. he's, so the idea was he's just, and he wasn't a big vocal leader. People at Oregon would tell you, he's not a loud guy. He's not an in your face guy. So I'm like, man, you, you take, you try to put the psychological profile together. He's never been with the locker room like this. Yeah. He's never been, he's from Eugene in high school. He's from Eugene in college. Boy, these locker rooms are going to eat him up and I bought, no problem. First yeah. year, no problem. Yeah. Second yeah. year, no problem. If he's going to have problems, I'm waiting for him to show up because yeah. they haven't showed up yet. Yeah, no, and, and I think I think for everything like that, like Lance, I, th- I think with, with Herbert, part of it is because I'm on the West Coast. Part of it, I've seen it. I like that he played at three sports. But then who's to say if he doesn't end up on the West Coast that he becomes the same player? Fair. See, because he ends up in a place in L.A., but really he's in Orange County where he can kind of blend. And he doesn't have to be like the big star. Like, cause even out here in LA, like they talk about him, but it's not like they celebrate him like he's Joe. Bur- like they don't put him up there like he's right. Hollywood. It'd be different if he was in New York and he has to be the face of it. He can kind of disappear, but you're right. Like, and that's all, it's all perspective. And what it does is that experience with Herbert will help you with the next guy. Yep. You know, it'll help you with the next guy because you're ever evolving. And whatever. I will say this because it's funny that you said it. Um, normally, your first opinion is the right one. Yeah. Study like, long, study, study wrong. wrong. Like, so that's why in the notes, like normally when I when I make this, and we'll wrap up shortly after this, but in my notes when I'm writing up a player, when I finish that session, I normally just scribble a grade right in my notes, whatever it is, A, 6, 9, 7, 0, or whatever, because that's my initial opinion. Mm-hmm. And then I put it there as a reminder that, hey, man, when we get away from this and I'm going through all this other stuff and I'm hearing the group think and I got everybody in my ear, man, fuck that dude can't play. Go back to your notes. Man, I like this kid. Then when you go back to your notes and you see that grade, hey, go back and watch those same games that you watched to see if you see the same stuff that you wrote down. Nah, dude, I'm I'm on it. Yep. I'll live with this one. You're so right about that. and And I'll be okay. I'll stand on this. Because the one thing is, you want to be able to stand on what you feel like is really your opinion, not what everyone else Don't is Don't scout with your ears. Yeah. Um, and that's true. And it's hard, and it's really hard to not have the outside stuff have an impact on you. It's really hard when it's over and over and over, and you're sitting, I've been sitting on my grade since December on a player. I'm like, man, did I see him wrong? And then I finally get to talk to some teams, and I'm like, Man, I had him right. I 
you I had him right. Oh, y'all got him wrong. And ESPN, y'all got him wrong. DJ's got him wrong. wrong. I know I have No, nah, like, hey, but and see, like, even in this business, right? Like yeah. with us, right? It's me, you, Rhett, yep. DJ. We all are talking and we all there. And it's this level of respect and we respect each other's opinion. But then, right. like, sometimes, like, you're like, hey, man, he thinks this. Well, that ain't my opinion. Like, yeah. so, and it's that, that fine way of being respectful. Like, hey, man, I just don't see him like that. And mm-hmm. then you give your thing. And I think, obviously, if the bond is tight enough, hey, man, we can have disagreements when it comes to players, but not lose. You think MJD's not going to tell you exactly what he thinks on any player mad. that comes up? Nah, he's so mad. He's still mad at me. He's still mad at me for giving him a What's third round grade because he's small. Because like I said, he's short. He's small. He's Wait, that's still right. going on? <laughs> You mean that's he's not still, just a bit for no, TV? No, 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 no. He, still, he still gets mad. I told him, I'm like, hey, man, like I liked you. <laughs> a little tiny for my taste, though. I like, like, you know? So, well, look, man, look, I feel like I owe you. <laughs> I feel like I owe you $150 because this was like a therapy session where I was on the yeah. couch. I was able to kind of lay out all of my things about scouting. Um, and it was great. I appreciate you being transparent and sharing. Um, we don't have to do this again. Yeah, look, for D- sure. DJ's on vacation. So look, we'll we'll kind of figure out a way to continue to have these conversations. But guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Moves Six Podcast. We'll be back with you next week for a couple more episodes. Talk to you soon. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.